You're listening to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast, Episode 12. Welcome to the Sick Mom's Guide Podcast. If my mom can do it, you can too. so happy you're with me today, and I'm also very happy to have the opportunity to talk to Lisa Avery. She is a specialist in the field of emotions, and I used to think that if I had bad emotions and felt sad or angry or any of those things, that it was bad and I needed to just shut that down, lock it away, and not think about it. But Lisa is talking about accepting who we are, accepting that positive and negative emotions are both part of the human condition. She's talking about giving yourself permission to express your emotions and acknowledge them, and that we're okay for having both kinds of emotions, the good and the bad. It's what make us up as human beings and as women, and that it doesn't make us crazy or negative or bad just because we feel negative and bad emotions sometimes. It's just part of who people are. And she makes me feel so good to talk to her. She is so full of energy, and I can't wait for you to hear her. So here she is. Hey, Lisa, how are you doing today? Hey, Jen, I'm doing really well. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. So thank you very much. Thank you. I cannot wait to get into this discussion today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Me too. Thank you. (laughs) So can you start off by telling a little bit about you and who you are and what you do? Absolutely. So I'm a positive psychologist and coach. So I work with people, primarily people who are already doing okay, but could could really do so much better with their lives. And I work around all kinds of issues. So self-esteem, finding your strengths, finding meaningful work, um, really getting clear on your identity, what you're about, setting goals. You know, I I work really within the full spectrum of of human experience. And that's a really exciting thing to do. And I feel very sort of honored and privileged to be able to do that. Um, And so, yes, and and I'm originally from the UK, but living out here in Spain in the sunshine. And yeah, just pretty happy with where things are right now. Well, that's great. Well, you are so positive. Just listening to you makes me feel so positive and so happy. I am so glad you're here (laughs) talking about emotions. Thank you. Thank you. I'm really excited. You know, emotions are a really big deal. And I think the moment you begin to understand your emotions, you can then start to manage them a little bit. And I have to say, Jen, like my biggest takeaway from the whole of positive psychology, the three years that I was studying, was that negative emotions form a very real and necessary part of human existence. You know, whereas in the past, I used to feel almost shameful in recognizing that I had a bad day. You know, nowadays, I feel very, very fine about saying, look, I do need a little bit of help, a bit of support today, expressing it clearly in that way, you know, the negative emotion dissipates so much more quickly. So absolutely, emotions are a really big deal. And uh, that is part of the reason I really wanted to talk to you because I think it's so important for people to understand. And this is something that I've never heard anyone say before, is that negative emotions are an important part of what's happening. Absolutely. And absolutely. Oh my gosh, because you know, especially for the people who are listening, a lot of them have chronic illness or depression or anxiety yes. and they feel like bad people because they're feeling negative and they're having bad emotions and they feel like they should fix that all the time. And so 
just saying that it's okay and to accept that is so huge. Absolutely. You know, they form such a natural part of, of our existence. You know, all emotions have evolved for a particular reason. You know, anger it serves to protect us. You know, when we get angry, we're, we're really defending ourselves against a potential attack, be that physical, be that psychological. You know, when we feel sad, it's a time when we need to turn in on ourselves and really preserve all our emotional and psychological and physical resources. So, you know, each and every emotion serves a very particular purpose. Purpose. But the key, you know, it's, it's been found recently that the real key in handling negative emotions, as I say, it's to try to label the emotion as clearly, as articulately, as precisely as possible. And even doing that out loud, you know, expressing that out loud. And somehow then you create a little bit of distance between, you know, your thought and the emotion. And you can begin to process it. And that way the experience will subside much more quickly. And I mean, there's something that I love, Jenna, if, if a person doesn't feel very confident about expressing their emotion, there's also a wonderful written activity that people can do. Shall I share that oh, with you? I would love that. Yes, please. Absolutely. So when it comes to a bad experience or a traumatic experience or even chronic illness, you know, something that we're dealing with every day, journaling is a fantastic way to, to get around this. So for example, there was a study and it showed that if a person were to take a piece of paper for four consecutive days, just for 20 minutes each day, okay, and for those 20 minutes, you just write freestyle, just free flow, letting it all out about what you're experiencing, how it's making you feel. At the end of those four days, you may initially have a dip in your well-being, but then a week or two later, you will actually begin to feel significantly better. And what's incredible, it even showed that the immune system was, was boosted significantly. So, you know, this is not only your emotional and psychological well-being, if not your physical well-being too. So I think, you know, especially for, pe for people who are feeling a little bit isolated or lonely, perhaps journaling could be a great solution. Well, that is so great. And it's great to know because I know I've tried it sometimes and yeah, I do. I get a little sad doing it. So to know that yes. it's okay and normal for that to happen. Absolutely. But I didn't Absolutely. realize the physical benefits of journaling either. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Jen, emotions like have a profound impact on our body too. So, you know, I think we could talk a little bit about positive emotions too, because positive emotions, you know, have a very beneficial effect on the body as well as the mind and the emotions and, and you know, and the, the state of being. But, but negative emotions, absolutely. You know, it's been proven that, you know, anger, sadness, these kind of feelings are linked to a lot of chronic illnesses, to a lot of illnesses in general, but they have a very detrimental effect on the body. So, you know, it's in everybody's interest not to repress any emotional state, if not to express it albeit in the right way at the right time with the right people but definitely not to hold it within because the body you know the body feels that mm. yeah yeah that is that is so important to know and so what are some good appropriate ways like let's say somebody's feeling really angry and you know you can't just go yelling at everybody who makes you angry right um, especially when we're not feeling good and we're in pain we may tend to feel angry more often, you know, but a lot of times yes. like, I'll recognize, okay, I might not have been so angry. At this. Yes. Today it, yes. it hit me, right? So what are some, yeah. what, do you have some good um, ways of expressing that or getting those out without, you know, yelling at yeah. people around us or <laughs> doing it wrong? Yeah. I, I mean, this is, yeah, absolutely. 
and I mean, again, I think self-knowledge is is f- first and foremost the essential thing that we need to gain here. And you see, often when we're angry, we're reacting to a transgression of our values. So what I mean to say by this is we've got to get very clear about our identity. First of all, about our character strengths, you know, what we're good at. And then also what our values are, what our core values are, you know. Some people value freedom, justice, respect for others. And you see, when you're getting angry, what is usually happening is you're usually reacting to somebody transgressing your core values in some way. And I think, you know, by really taking stock of what's making you angry, you get so much clearer about who you are. And that gives you so much control. You know, Jen, because it's, it's this thing, it, it's a circle or, or a cycle, let's say, between the thoughts you have and then the emotions you feel as a result of those thoughts and in turn, the behavior. So we've got thoughts, we've got feelings, and later we've got behavior. And this is a circle that goes on and on. It goes round and round and round. Now, as human beings, we have the power at any moment to intervene in that cycle. So, you know, for example, perhaps one of your listeners who's suffering from a chronic illness, they're, they're thinking, you know, they're thinking that this is really frustrating, that, you know, they're having yet another bad day. So this thought is then going to lead to the emotion of sadness, maybe disempowerment, and then their behavior will be affected because of that emotion, you know. So what we have to do is we have to get really clear that not everything we think is true, first of all, because people have this tendency to believe that if we think it, then it's true. And also we have to just get very mindful of that voice, that inner chatter that is going on and on in our heads. And and in that way, we can begin to intervene, you know, intervene with a little bit of self-compassion because that's what people in general are lacking. Boy, I think you really hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and and it's so interesting. You know, the the thought, feeling, behavior cycle. It's so yes. simple when you say it, right? I mean, it's so yes. obvious when you say it. But I had never yes. really thought about it like that. Either. No, exactly. No, you know <laughs> that. But that is. I mean, that's obviously what happens with us all the time. Yes. Um. And and how we choose to think about things too. I think. Um. You know, because something something that to you might be very upsetting would be okay to yes. me or something, you know, that would be yeah. slightly upsetting to me might be very upsetting to you. So our, th- our particular, our personal thoughts about things. Yes. Yes. Too. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, Jan. And I mean, you know, the way we think about anything, it, it really depends on the experience we've had in the past. It depends on our own character, our strengths, our values. You know, everything will always be highly subjective and very much shaped by our previous experience. And, you know, to me, Jen, the key for any happy and meaningful life, it's to really get to that point of of self-understanding, of self-knowledge, and to really strip away the layers of extrinsic until you reach that authenticity inside. You know, a lot of people who come to see me, they're sad, they're angry, they're frustrated, and they don't know why. And what happens as our conversation unfolds, our our coaching dialogue unfolds, we we really strip away all the shoulds and haftas and musts. And I imagine that a lot of your listeners probably can relate to this, you know, being moms, being sick, you know, having so much that they have to do and should do, all of these external 
external obligations. And I think, you know, the, an amazing liberation comes when you're able to strip away some of these and really get to the core of who you, who you are, you know, what you're about, what your strengths are. Because so often in these kind of stressful and sad situations, all of that gets so deep buried underneath you know so I think there's a real liberation to be found for your listeners and for, for anyone in general in really stripping away all of that and getting to what you yourself are about right and that's something you know my kids and I talk about that is don't should on yourself right there's so exactly. many it's like I should or or yes. should on other people like you yes should, yes because there's not very many things like you should not step off the cliff yes but there's a lot of things <laughs> where we you know we give ourselves all these rules right like life yes. is our lives are dictated by these rules that have come from external sources right Usually. absolutely and they've told us you know you should always do this and you should never do that and and I, you know, I know um, I was raised in LA and I, I had raised my children in LA until my oldest was 11. We moved to Tennessee because things were so fast moving there and perfection, yes. yeah. perfectionist. And it, it was so stressful to me. Yes. Right? And everyone's yes. running, right? And here too, everyone's running, right? Your kids have to be in all these different things and going to all these different whatever. And if you don't do yes. that, you're not a great mom because what if your child would be the baseball star and, you know, in a little <laughs> yeah. world series and you're stripping that away from them if you don't do it. So you should, you know, and so I took a break about probably four years ago and I quit yes. everything we did, everything my kids did, everything I did. We stopped mm -hmm. all of it and it didn't make yes. them happy in the beginning, but I needed to start from the very beginning all over. Yes. And yes. it was the most freeing, liberating, wonderful feeling to not, wow. I didn't, I didn't yes. have to do anything. Right. I, I yes. took it all away except school. We did school yeah. because you should do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but other than, and then we slowly brought things back. And so instead of living yes. in a world of that, oh, I have to, I have to, I have to all the time. And my to-do yes. list is so long. It was no, we have to eat and we have to do school. And we had about yes. six months of that, which my kids were going nuts. I'll be honest. But <sighs> I think it taught them a valuable lesson too, is that, you know, we got closer as a family and we just focused on that. And then from that, we moved out to other things. And so for me yes. personally, I'm very slow to say yes to new projects and new. Absolutely. Because, Absolutely. you know, especially with my energy being so limited, but also yes. my mental energy energy, you know, yes. and, um, yes. and it's okay to give yourself permission to make that to-do list shorter. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jen. I think it's fascinating what you say. And I mean, you attest to so much, which has been proven in psychology. So absolutely. And, you know, it kind of reminds me of, you see, in positive psychology, we have two different concepts of happiness. So one is the hedonia, which is about seeking pleasure. It's about going out, eating, drinking, having fun and spending, spending money, which our society really feeds into, you know. Um, and the other kind of happiness, it's about a deeper, quieter but more meaningful sense of happiness so it's about finding a sense of purpose finding something you're really good at finding a way to serve the world with your gift 
And I think, you know, what you described in some way was stripping away all of that hedonic excess that you don't really need, you know, all that pleasure, all of that consumption, and really getting back to a very neutral and natural state from which you're able to reflect and look for something a little bit deeper and meaningful and more fulfilling in life, you know, the activities that really fill your soul in some way. So I think that's a brilliant experiment and one which obviously had had some great effects for you. Well, thank you. Yeah, it really did. And I, you know, I encourage if someone's listening that they just feel like you're on that hamster wheel, you know, that you, you are living in a free culture where you can make your own decisions and it's okay to step off that wheel and people just don't realize you can stop doing things. Absolutely. Absolutely. You can, you can say no. And, you know, I mean, obviously if your child is really active in the middle of something, pulling them is difficult, Mm -hmm. but it's okay to say, I'm going to take a break because it's healthier emotionally for all of us. Yes. Because if mom is so stressed, you know, we tend to set the emotional tone for our household. Yes. Right. And so if we're at the end of our rope, that's the tone that everyone's going to pick up on. Right. Absolutely. That's what I feel like. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jen. I mean, both negative and positive emotions are highly contagious. I'll tell you a little more about positive emotions in a second and how contagious they are. But I just wanted to add, I mean, what you're saying, I think is perfect because, you know, it's this idea that we should stop chasing goals constantly. And the reason we should stop doing that, it's because there's this theory called hedonic adaptation. And what it means very simply is that no matter what happens in life, however good or bad, we get used to circumstances. So everything just becomes normal. So that means that even when we pursue goals and and they bring us this temporary high, very quickly they become normal. So we just get used to that and we just look for the next thing, you know. And so what that means, rather than chasing goal after goal after goal, which as you attest to is, is just exhausting, it's much better to just look for a continual, slow but steady progression in every aspect of life, you know, rather than being on that treadmill as you so eloquently describe. Wow. But, and, but I think, this, is that, do you find that that's hard for people to do? It's very hard to do, you know, because society just feeds into this kind of yeah need for consumption, need for constantly striving for something to obtain. You know, we're looking for the next car, the next promotion, the next house. We think that happiness comes with the next whatever. And it doesn't, you know, there's a fascinating study which actually looked at lottery winners and it, what it found was that the level of happiness one year later after winning the lottery was exactly the same in almost every case as the day before these people had won the lottery one year earlier. So what that means is we just get used to everything as human beings. So obviously any deeper sense of happiness does not come from just simple goal completion. Instead, it comes from this very holistic way of thinking about happiness, which may I share with your listeners what that is? Absolutely. So, so the father of positive psychology, a guy called Martin Seligman, he has five letters which help us remember what happiness and well-being is about. So that's PERMA, P-E-R-M-A. The P, it stands for positive emotions. The 
E is for engagement. So feeling very engaged, very involved in what we're doing, whether that's work, whether that's an activity, sort of very much getting lost in what we call flow, which is when you just get totally absorbed in an activity and you lose all track of time. So we've got the positive emotions, the engagement. We've then got the R, which is relationships. Now, relationships are fundamental to human functioning and human flourishing. You know, we're, we're relational people. We, we need those connections. And then we've got the M for meaning. So we need, you know, whatever it is we're doing in life, whether it's work, whether it's charity, whether it's being with our families, we need to have something which gives us this sense of meaning, this sense of purpose. And then finally, we've got the A for accomplishment. And so that, yeah, that does mean achieving things. That means achieving the goals that we set out to do. But rather than just thinking of it as accomplishment, I like to think of that as a continual sense of progression. So if we've got each of these elements, you know, I think we're going to be pretty well-balanced human beings. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that, and, and, you know, yeah. It's, it's so interesting to me because there's so many things I think, like I think about how trying to put things together and make things better. But when you put yeah. it down like that and I can look at it and I can say, okay, you know, yes. what, how is my balance of those things? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Because if you've yes. got, if you're missing one of those things. Yes. Yeah. And you're probably not as feeling as positive and as happy. Absolutely. I think they're all equally important, as you say. But if I had to highlight one that really stands out, it's the relationships without doubt, you know, cultivating really positive relationships, which sort of leads on to positive emotions that we touched on earlier. And, you know, the incredible thing about positive emotions, is, as you were saying, is that they're highly infectious, they're highly contagious. So, you know, literally, there's this theory in positive psychology called the broaden and build theory. And what it means is that for every positive emotion we experience, we literally expand our minds. You know, there was this fascinating experiment in which there were two groups of people. One group of people watched comedy, the others watched a very sad documentary. And after each program, the group of people had to look at a photograph and the people who'd experienced the positive emotions could literally see more. Their peripheral vision became broadened, it became increased. And so literally positive emotions emotions open us up to the rest of the world, to other people, to new opportunities. Because, you know, when we're happy or when we're curious or when when we're experiencing a sensation like awe or excitement, you know, we become more expansive. So, and that in turn, you know, increases the things we do, the people we talk to. So, I mean, positive emotions are very, very powerful. Just as negative emotions serve a function, will positive emotions really build our psychological and emotional and physical well-being so you know we can look for as many ways as possible to increase those positive emotions well that's awesome so what ways Mm -hmm. what do you have suggestions on ways yeah absolutely absolutely you know the key thing that I would highlight well first of all I'd say that positive emotions don't just mean happiness don't just mean joy like I said earlier it can be serenity it can be awe it can be curiosity you know if your listeners were just to google like 
full range of positive emotions, you would see there is a vast spectrum, you know. So what I would say in order to cultivate some of these positive emotions, novelty is the key. As we were saying earlier, human beings get used to things really quickly, really easily. And the moment we get used to something, it loses its effect. So I would look to try new experiences, you know, to meet new people. There's this incredible saying that I really like, which which says, you will be exactly the same person in five years' time, except for the people you meet and the books you read. Yeah, I think that's true. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. And so, you know, what that means to me is that novelty is really important and really, you know, increasing your repertoire of experiences, of emotions. And and, and that is what I would say above all, you know, and, and cultivating that curiosity, Jen. You know, curiosity is the antidote to fear. It's the antidote to boredom. Like, I cannot underestimate the importance of a curious attitude because no matter what experience you're sorry, what emotion you're experiencing, you can always be curious. Ask yourself questions, you know. So what does it feel like? Let, let me describe it in more detail. And almost by asking yourself these questions, you're reducing some of that pain or some of that suffering or especially with negative emotions, you know, by getting really curious, you're almost taking yourself out of your own mind and your own experience. So I would say that in positive and negative circumstances, curiosity is a great emotion to cultivate. See, and I never even thought about that as being an emotion. That's very interesting. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Curiosity, you know, serenity, or oh, there's this full range of emotions that we don't necessarily think of as being emotions, as being emotional states at least. But but it's it's worth looking into and it's worth thinking, how can I create more of these experiences in my life, you know? Because when we look for them, they're, they're always there. You know, and to me, Jen, like some of the happiest and most emotionally well-rounded and stable people I know are the people that really get out of their own experience and take a lot of interest in the world around them, you know, the other people around them in other people's experience. You, you know, I actually did some studies on this for, for my um, university research and I looked into what kind of people have a sense of vocation, so have work that they consider to be highly meaningful. And in all of these people, there were two things that really defined these people. The first was that they were what we would call very self-actualized people. So they were people who managed to entwine their innate strengths, talents, passions, and find a way to use them in their work and become the best version of themselves. But the other characteristic of these people was that they were very self-transcendent. So they really went beyond themselves. They found a greater cause. They found something that was really worth fighting for. And I think that's pretty much like you in this podcast and this incredible work that you're doing, you know, you're finding a way to go beyond your own experience and you're offering something incredible to really make a very, very special difference to other people who are in your situation, you know. And I think that that is a defining characteristic of these people, self-transcendence. And that losing yourself, you know, and losing all sense of ego, it makes an incredible difference to the well-being of that person. Person. Well, thank that's such a huge compliment. I really appreciate that. Oh, well, it's, it's absolutely it true and well deserved. feel better, you know, just doing something for other people, you know, because I was absolutely. so stuck in the pit of just dwelling on my own problems. And it wasn't yes. until I decided to help other people that helped pull me out of that. And yes. it did make me feel better, you know, just because 
yeah, I'm not, I can't make myself better, but I can help other people feel better. Absolutely. And that to me is, is incredible. That is legacy. That is really creating something that will live on for the next a hundred years, you know, like this is legacy. Absolutely. And I think we all crave that, you know, Jen, like so many of the people that I speak to in a coaching context, they come to me at this kind of moment of existential crisis. They've got this feeling that there has to be more to life, but they don't know what's missing. And that may manifest itself in a kind of frustration, anxiety, just a general feeling of not being 100% okay, but not knowing why. And it sort of typically happens to people around 45, 50. And, and what always comes out at that time, it's this need to once again, strip away all the extrinsic, the status the career, the promotions, the material possessions, and look for something inside of themselves, which is really crying out to make some kind of contribution to the rest of the world that will live on and on well beyond themselves, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it does, it, it's so, it is so helpful. Absolutely. Thank you. I think so. I think these, yeah, these kind of conversations people don't necessarily have on a daily basis. But sometimes I think, you, you know, when you sit alone and you're not listening to music, you've got no distractions and you just sit and listen to your own thoughts. You know, there are two kinds of people. There are people who are comfortable with that and people who are very uncomfortable with that. And I think if, a, if you're the person who's uncomfortable with that, it might be time to start asking some of these questions. Because whilst painful, whilst difficult, it's worth it, you know, to strip away all of the extrinsic and really get to your own authenticity. There is no sense of liberation, freedom, and well-being that can ever rival that, ever. So what would you suggest? So let's say somebody's listening and they think, but you know, I can't do something that big. Like it just sounds like a big sure. thing to do. Right? It does, doesn't it? Yes. It does. Yeah. Like if you told me a year ago, you know, that you should try doing something like that, I would have been overwhelmed, I think. Yes. Yes, totally. Yeah. Don't worry because there are things that we can do to break this down. So I can give you a few pointers if you yes, like. Please. And Brilliant. So the first thing I would say would be to get to know yourself really well. And the way, one of the best ways to do that to start with is to take a strength survey. And this is free at the University of Pennsylvania. You have to go, if you enter in Google, Authentic Happiness, University of Pennsylvania, you will come to a lot of questionnaires for free. And the questionnaire you need to take is the VIA, which is the, the VIA, Values in Action so what was, Strength Survey. Oh, I'm sorry. What was the first yeah. part you said? It was something at University of Pennsylvania? Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the name of this is Authentic Happiness. Okay. Authentic Happiness at the University of Pennsylvania. Okay. And it's the VIA, V-I-A, Values in Action Strength Survey. And that is a 240 um, question survey. So it takes about half an hour, but, but it's very much worth doing. And at the end of that half an hour, you'll get a breakdown of your top character strengths. And I think this is really telling and really important for two reasons. For the first reason, because people are not very good at recognizing what they do well, you know, and we're not very good at taking compliments for, from other people. So especially for your listeners who probably don't always have the, the right amount of self-compassion, they're probably quite hard on themselves. 
I think this would be a wonderful way of really reaffirming and, and you know, boosting your well-being around yourself, you know, really recognizing and acknowledging what's good about you. And also, it's, it's good to bear in mind because sometimes your top strengths can be strengths that you use too much. So you use to your detriment. So my top strength, for example, is kindness. And I say that not to say that I'm a lovely person, but just because it's something that I value very much in human beings, human kindness, you know. And sometimes I do feel that it gets a little bit abused. It can be taken advantage of. So I think the reason I say this is because it's good to know that your strength, it's a beautiful thing to have, but you have to look out to because it's something that you can overuse to your detriment. So I think that is a great place to start. The second thing would be there is if if you enter in Google, I, I can send you the link for yeah, your that'd listeners. That would be great. I'll put the show notes. Brilliant. Perfect. There's a 16 personality questionnaire, which is the original Myers-Briggs personality type questionnaire. And actually getting a breakdown of your personality type. And I didn't do this myself until about a year ago. And Jen, it was one of those moments when it was like, oh my God, absolutely. This is who I am. And it's broken down very clearly. And it served as a great springboard for a lot of introspection, you know, thinking about me, what I want to do with my life, what, how I want to show up in the world. So I think if you take your, the personality test plus your character strengths test, that's a great start to, to thinking about who you are. On top of that, I highly recommend thinking what your values are. You know, you can get a list on Google of like the most common values. You know, my values, for example, it's individuality. I really value expressing myself as an individual. It's freedom, you know, Um, and, and thinking about what those are, I think can really orient, you know, the direction you take in life. So you've got your strengths, your personality, your values. The last thing I would add to that would be think about the moments of flow you experience in life. So think about the kind of activities that you love doing because whilst doing those activities, time almost seems to come to a standstill, you know. So whether that's playing chess, whether that's cooking, and see if there are ways in which you can bring together your personality, your strengths, your values, and these moments of flow. See if there's a way in which you can really bring these together and look for more opportunities to do that in your life. Um, that would be my, the first thing that I'd say, because I think this really paints a picture of authenticity within a person, you know, who a person is, what they value, what their strengths are, the moments when they really lose themselves. This is when a person is their authentic being. And I think coming from that standpoint, you can only really experience a sense of well-being, meaning and, and happiness. Wow, that is very profound. You know that, but but I think it's good because you know even if you're not feeling good, you can sit there and take a test online, right? And absolutely, absolutely, and absolutely. I, I always love yeah. those kind of things too. Yes. You know, like when I was a kid, they had those you know personality tests in magazines or these little quizzes. And, you know, <laughs> yeah, I think cosmopolitan. Enjoy those. You know, just yes. answering questions, and I think too for a lot of us, you know, a lot of people with chronic illness or or mental issues. Um, psychological problems, we're dealing with a lot of negativity around us and the people around us because yes. it, it's just the, the nature of how things are. And so Absolutely. something where you're getting reaffirmed, like you are good at this. This is these yes. good things about you. And it's not yes. somebody just telling you, you know, it's, it's a systemic approach to figuring out what the good things are in you. So then you can sit back and you'll be like, oh, I am good at this. 
you know, exactly. it's a good reminder to tell yes. you, you are a good person. You've got a lot to contribute and these are what they are. And sometimes we just need yes. to be reminded of that. Absolutely. We do. We do. And I mean, if you can share that with your family or the people around you, if you can do that as a family, each person take the test, I think it can generate some really positive and affirmative dialogue, you know, if you feel able to share that. But if not, even to do it alone, I think it's very, very, very powerful. Absolutely. And just the boost you need, you know, at times, just a little bit of boost you need. So absolutely. Okay. Well, that's great. So I have a question. So yeah. what if what if someone is experiencing so many negative emotions, they're really having a hard time getting through that and getting to positive emotions? What are some ways, sure. do you have some ways that, that can help them? Can it work on sure. that? Sure. I, I mean, once again, I think expression is absolutely everything. I'd like you to think about negative emotions in this way, if, if I can just take a second to explain. Sure. If you take a piece of A4 paper, and write on it just a few words, the, the feelings, the thoughts or the situation that is really bringing you down at this moment in your life. So write it on the piece of paper. Then you pick the piece of paper up and you hold it at arm's length and you begin to feel the strain in your arm, you know, and it hurts. It hurts your arms, your shoulders. You begin to ache. Now, gradually bring those negative thoughts, emotions, experiences closer to you. Feel how your arms, your elbows, your shoulders begin to relax as you bring it closer. So what happens is when we hold negative emotions at a distance, they really hurt us, you know. We're repressing them, we're keeping them away, but they're hurting us. What we've got to do is we've got to bring them closer to us. We've got to begin to acknowledge them, to recognize them, whether that's with another human being, whether that's in a diary, whether that's with a coach or therapist, it doesn't matter. But first of all, we've got to begin to express them. And once again, the moment we express them, we've got to look to articulate them and, and express them as concepts precisely and clearly as possible. And you will just then lose yourself. You know, you will begin to lose the, they will begin to lose the power they hold over you. They will begin to dissipate. So the only thing I can really say to that, Jen, it's to express rather than repress. And then perhaps you'll be in a neutral state because what we've got to understand is by taking away the negative, we don't become positive. We just become neutral. So then when we're in that neutral space, we have to start to think of how to cultivate positive emotions. And almost always that will involve other human beings. Spending too much time alone will make anybody feel negative. So it's to begin to start to interact, to look for some ways to create, as we said before, the positive emotions, the engagement, the relationships, the meaning and the accomplishment. But what I'd really, really really like to highlight to your listeners is the fact that it is perfectly normal to experience the full repertoire of human emotions and negative emotions feature very strongly on this. And in actual fact, to be able to experience the really negative means we have the capacity to experience the very, very positive too. You know, there are people who have shorter and wider spectrums and emotional experiences than others. So I think on a really bad day, your listeners have to remind themselves that because they're capable of experiencing such pain, they're also capable of experiencing acute pleasure, you know, because it's this full spectrum and to have one means we also have to have the other. 
Okay, that is definitely something to keep in mind because I know a lot of us, you know, we do have very bad days. And just yes. to know that it is, it is like you said, acknowledge the human condition. Like as humans, we all Absolutely. experience this and you're not alone in experiencing nope. it. And, you know, that's part of the reason this whole podcast is here because there are yes. millions of us all over feeling the yes. same way and feeling so isolated. And yes. so that's why I wanted to have you talk about this and talk about how important it is to get socializing and, and to accepting ourselves. I think, you know, before we can socialize more, we have to understand that we're okay. You know, yes. we're, we're, yes. every human is different, right? But we all yes. have common experiences and sometimes yes. being down and being negative, sometimes that is a part of the human experience as a whole. And it doesn't make Absolutely. us a bad person. Absolutely right? not. And so On we the contrary. can go meet new people and have, yes. let, and allow ourselves to have yes. positive experiences Absolutely. Absolutely. Absolutely, Jan. And I think, you know, you actually, you point to something which is very important too. And that is, you know, a human being has this tension. They have a tension between needing to stand out and be celebrated for the unique individual they are and belonging, feeling like they belong to something, you know. So oftentimes people come to me because on the one hand, they want to be different, but on the other hand, they really want <laughs> to be the same. <laughs> and so I think, you know, what's amazing about the community you create, you know, you're, you're really bringing together all of that difference. You know, people have different illnesses, different experiences, but at the same time, you're creating a very safe space where people all belong. They're all united with one common experience. And I think the power of community and the kind of thing you're creating is absolutely wow it's a godsend it's a lifesaver absolutely it's very 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 important so I think you know to feel that you belong to something while still maintaining that individuality that is essential that's great yeah I think I think so and you know and I just I just want people to understand that they're not alone that's you know, no matter what they're yes. going through, there is yes. somebody else who's gone through it. And even if it's a horrible thing and you hate to think, yes. you know, you sometimes you think this is so bad. I wouldn't want someone else to go through it. No, but in it, in yes. it's not that you want them to, it's just, but you have to know that someone else has and no matter yes. what it is and that you are not completely alone and that you can find people, but you have Absolutely. to reach out to find them often. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's the other thing you see, it's being vulnerable, you know, in our society, we're not very used to, or not very comfortable with being vulnerable, but just expressing yourself in your humanity with your vulnerability, that in itself is very, very courageous. And you know, the more you do that, the easier it becomes to do so uh, because people respect that people respect vulnerability and because it is courageous and I think you know it's that common experience of bad that usually connects people it's it's a funny thing Jen but often you know you share positive news with other human beings they don't know what to say they don't know how to react but you know I see a post on Facebook which is quite negative or which has some sadness or something attached and there are millions of comments and responses so you know we do feel a real empathy for other suffering so I think yeah absolutely showing your vulnerability and not being afraid of it you know we're all just human and at some point or other in life we do need other people well, all the time really but I you know the older I get I'm 37 years old now and the only thing that I've learned is that it's okay not to be okay and I think that is my absolute biggest takeaway from all these years of psychology yeah and and it's so important for people to know that it is okay, not to yes. be okay. and that that things can get better no matter how bleak they seem 
Absolutely. Uh, and, and you can still have positive emotions, even in the middle of something that's, that's not great. Yes. Absolutely. I think, do you know what? That's a really important point that you've just said. At one time, it was considered that positive emotions and negative emotions didn't coexist. Nowadays, there's more and more research which shows that emotions are far more layered, they're far more nuanced. And so positive emotions and negative, they often do cohabit, you know, they often do live together. You know, it's kind of like when you have a bittersweet experience, you know, saying goodbye to a friend at a train station or, you know, the, the positive and negative do exist together. And, and most of the time that that's the way things are. You know, nothing's ever perfect, but nothing is, is ever totally bleak and impossible either. You know, it, it's, it's very nuanced. And I think the older you get, the more you sort of understand and accept that, you know, and the more comfortable you feel with that. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Oh, it's just so nice to talk to you. Okay. So now I'm going to um, talk a little bit. Um, everybody who's on the podcast has to have gone through something um, health-wise or um, in one yes. way or another, because yes. I just don't want people coming on and, you know, and it's really easy for someone to say, oh, be happy, happy, happy thoughts all the time, because I've always been happy. And so you should be happy too, right? Um, yes. Or I've always felt well, and so you should feel well too. And I have the quick yeah. band-aid. And so Everybody that comes on has to have had something and share it just so that people listening understand, like you're, you're saying these things, but also you understand, you understand, right? You understand what they might've gone through. So we had talked a little bit. Are you comfortable with with talking? Absolutely. Absolutely, Jen. Yeah. Yeah. Shall I share? Yeah. Can you share? Yeah. This is a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. 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 Yeah. So probably the biggest, well, without a doubt, the biggest emotional and psychological challenge that I had to go through was the death of my stepfather, which was nearly nine years ago now, incredibly so. Um, and he was a, a real key figure in my life. You know, he, he came into mine and my mom's life when I was like five years old after my parents got divorced. So I grew up with him. I grew up with Peter. And so they, we, they were together for 20 20 years and I lived with him for 20 years whilst growing up and at the age of 57 he was diagnosed with a brain tumor and it was inoperable there wasn't anything that could be done about it and so it was absolutely heartbreaking for me to see this guy who was a very tall handsome strong man it was really sad it broke my heart day after day to hear and to see how things went downhill very, very quickly. You know, the, the love that he and my mom had was just, wow, it was, it was, it was something out of a fairy tale. It's something to the, this day restores my faith in love and relationships. <laughs> you know, it was just incredible. And so to see how little by little he lost each and every one of his faculties, you know, he'd been a police officer. He was a very dignified person. And to see how absolutely everything was stripped from him, it just seems so unfair, Jen. It was, I, you know, you know, it's, it's this whole thing about grief. First of all, it's the denial and the anger. You know, right. I, I, I was furious with the world. I was absolutely furious. It was just so unfair. Why him? Why us? Why this time? And so my emotions went from disbelief and anger to then a, a real sadness. It was kind of like I was mourning him way before he'd gone. You know, I mean, it all happened very quickly, but in the sort of eight, nine months that he, 
he got ill and was diagnosed and then eventually passed away. It, it was a very intense psychological and emotional process. And at that time, I hadn't studied positive psychology and I didn't know anywhere near as much as I know now. And, and at that time, I didn't articulate what I was feeling. I tried to repress it because whenever I spoke to anybody about it, I felt guilty. I felt shameful that I was inflicting my suffering, my sadness, my anger upon them. And, you know, I have to say, unfortunately, most people didn't know how to respond. They didn't know what to say, which I understand. It's very difficult for people too. But at that time, I don't think I'd ever felt as alone in my entire life. You know, I didn't want to speak to my family about it because they were going through the same and how did that manifest? I'll tell you how it manifested in my life. I woke up almost each and every night for nine months screaming with terrible, terrible nightmares mm. because, you know, there's this whole idea that our subconscious at night will process the things that we haven't processed during the day. So the things that we're repressing, the things that we're not actively processing will come out during our sleep. So I was waking up screaming, crying, you know, and, and I think it was this whole feeling of just not being able to express what I was going through to another human being. It was a very isolating and very lonely and an extremely sad time, you know, and even afterwards, even after he died, I think it took me maybe a couple of years to really come back to who I was, you know. And, and also at that time, it was a real soul-searching moment for me because I kind of made the calculations. At that time, I was 29 and he was sort of 58. And I thought, wow, maybe I've had half of my life. Am I happy on my path? Am I really having a meaningful existence? And it was a time in which I both, I both lost myself and really made an effort to start to find myself. But it took a very long time. And the only thing I would ever say to anybody going through anything similar would be, please express what you're going through because that will really, really, really help. I isolated myself. I made myself very lonely and sad. And, and, and I had a broken heart for quite a few years afterwards, you know? Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm so sorry that you went through that. That's. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. And, and I mean, you know, as time goes by, it's not true what people say that we ever get over anything. I don't think we do. But what happens is, you know, we definitely find a way to deal with that. And that doesn't mean that the emotions don't ever come back acutely because I think they do. And I don't think that's a bad thing. That is a testament to how much we loved a person and to the kind of meaning that we had within that relationship. Right. But what, what does happen is that, you know, those kind of feelings come on a much more infrequent basis. But from time to time, there is that acute missing somebody. But once again, you know, we, I think we learn to reconcile ourselves with the fact that so much of human experience is bittersweet by nature. And, you know, if we were all to live forever and nothing bad would ever happen, then the beautiful things in life wouldn't have any beauty, you know. There would be no poignancy. So, you know, everything in life that is meaningful and is beautiful is that way because we know that at some point it's not going to be there anymore. That is very profound. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sorry, maybe a little bit no, too much for no, first thing in the morning no, for you. that's great. That's great. So, yeah, that is... Amazing. And I think we can end on that because that was yes. brilliant. <laughs> so thank you so much for coming today and sharing and telling us all about emotions and letting us understand some things that I know I didn't understand before I talked to you. And sure. I really, really appreciate you being so open and honest about yourself and 
Thank you. Thank you, Jen. This has been a huge privilege and honor. It really has. And I have nothing but awe and respect for the kind of work you do. And I have nothing but awe and love for all the people who are listening to this, because I'm sure they're all doing so much better than they can ever, ever realize. So I hope everybody gives themselves some credit, some self-compassion and a really big hug. Thank you. Thank you so much. I look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you. Take care, Jen. Thank you. Thanks again, Lisa, for being here today. You are like a ray of sunshine in my life, and I love being able to have a chat with you. If you enjoy listening to Lisa, you can find out how to contact her in the show notes or on the website at thesickmomsguide.com slash episode 12. Our music today is A New Day by Scott Holmes. I look forward to being with you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you like it, please subscribe. We'll see you next week.